Hey y'all and welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I am Ren Robbins and I'm so glad you're joining me today. I pray that this is the place where you will feel encouraged by hearing God's stories from my friends that I share. Every time you download an episode of the Friends of a Feather podcast, I want for you to feel seen by God, to feel encouraged in your daily life, and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents He has given you. Today is going to be a little bit different, and actually, this summer is going to be a little bit different. On this episode of the Friends of a Feather podcast, we are starting my first ever summer series and will focus our content on the Enneagram. It is the hot topic everyone is talking about, and it's going to be a great series. If you have heard a little bit about it and are kind of curious about it, welcome. We are going to explore so much about it. The Enneagram is a typing personality system, and learning about the Enneagram helps you distinguish your strengths, your weaknesses, and the motivation behind them. It is so intriguing, and it has been so helpful to me in all of my relationships. We are going to share how you can get the inside scoop of your Enneagram type and be able to use that knowledge to integrate your gifting and talents in your daily life. On the podcast, I desire to share tools that have been helpful to me, whether it be a friend's story who has encouraged me, a book I have gleaned practical advice from, or a podcast I enjoy listening to. So to host this incredible series this summer will be a perfect match. Michelle Dyer, a certified behavioral specialist and trained in the Enneagram, is joining me for this nine-episode series this summer. Okay, before we get to it, I want to thank the sponsor of today's episode. The sponsor of today's episode is Junebug Designs. Born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee, Megan is a Southern girl through and through. She wears many hats, wife to Justin, mom to Lila June, teacher, designer, artist, and lover of life. Y'all, that's the truth. She gains inspiration from everyday life, especially her whimsical sidekick, Lila June, her Southern surroundings, and her creator who has graciously blessed her with these talents. Megan's dad played a huge role in the establishment of Junebug Designs, which is named after her daughter, Lila June. After cutting and playing with old scrap wood, he gave Megan a plaque, as they refer to them today. She painted what inspires any mom, her family. A lover of anything custom, these family plaques quickly caught on, and she started customizing for other beautiful families. Megan says, every family has their own story to tell. This is my way of starting the conversation. Oh my goodness, I love that. This line has expanded to array of plaques, including unique kid art, to a family special mantra, or a verse painted on reclaimed and repurposed wood. These plaques reside in homes from coast to coast. You can shop directly online at junebugdesigns.com, where all items ship for free. Yes, you heard that right. You can also shop with her at local craft shows in the Memphis area or newly at the Painted Tree Marketplace in Memphis, Tennessee. I actually was shopping one day at the Painted Tree and ran into Megan and her husband Justin as they were setting up their booth. And I love the fact that we as local people can go and get her stuff right there. Megan is extremely talented and you can go check out her work at junebugdesigns.com. 
Okay, are y'all ready? The excitement has been building for months now. I cannot wait to share this with you. So welcome my guest, Michelle, as we chat about the first Enneagram typing personality, the Enneagram One, the perfectionist, or also called the reformer. Here we go. Welcome to the podcast, Michelle. Thank you, Ren. Welcome so back. Excited to be here. Yes, welcome back. Welcome back. We recorded earlier uh, in February, and um, we talked about the Enneagram and um, your story of how you got involved with learning about the Enneagram. And so you are back for my summer series. I am so excited that you're joining me on this. And so today's episode is going to be on just an introduction into the Enneagram and also on the number one, type one today. So let's dive in. If somebody doesn't know a little bit, tell us a little bit in 30 seconds or less about you, how you got involved with the Enneagram and uh, what the Enneagram really is. I would love to. So by profession, I am a coach and a trainer, and I have been certified in several different personality assessments and really have grown to love Enneagram because it's such a great personal development tool. Um, I also, it's kind of weird, but I am a minister at a church, so I have a very unique type ministry where I really help people identify who they're called to be. And um, I help them explore that because I believe it's just so important that we discover who we are created to be in Christ and what he wants us to do with unique giftedness and wiring that he's given us um, to serve him and to serve others. That's great. That's great. Okay. So um, on the Enneagram, tell us a little bit. It is a typing system. And then tell us uh, a little bit about how many numbers there are and how this helps us to know a little bit more about ourselves. Great. Yes. So uh, Enneagram is a personality assessment and it like others like DISC or Myers-Briggs, it's designed to help you be able to articulate who you are, what your strengths are, um, what you really are, you know, good at doing, and also what you may struggle with. And so it's very helpful to just give you a language about certain aspects of yourself that are sometimes sort of hard to articulate. Um, Our minds really crave categorization. So we, we love it when we can put things in buckets to help us describe who we are and who others are. And so it's really designed to give us that language to talk to one another. Um, It helps us understand things like, you know, what is our vice? Or maybe what are some of our blind spots, things that we don't naturally see without um, really being conscientious about them. So lots of great avenues of discovery with tools like this. Okay, great. Okay, well, let's dive on in. Um, The first type is the number one, is the number one, and I want you to tell us a little bit about what uh, number, being a type one means, and kind of, okay, in a perfect world, who are they? In a perfect world, who is a one? A one loves a perfect world, so (laughs) they are the strict perfectionist. Uh, is the name of the one. And so ones really are conscientious. Um, They are perfectionists by nature. So they are critical of things and not in terms of negativity, 
but just in terms of really being able to evaluate uh, what is the most ideal, wonderful scenario and how can I create that. So in some ways, ones can struggle with being controlling, um, you know, but at the same time, they are the ones who have the the high standards and help us strive for those high standards and make things better. They're quality control people. Um, They don't like mistakes. They don't like to make mistakes. It makes them uncomfortable when they do. Mm. Um, And they are, you know, a bit um, idealistic about the world, much Mm. like the twos. And Mm. so they really see what is broken and work very hard to make it unbroken, mm. if that makes sense. Well, and as believers, you know, uh, coming from this perspective is that the world is broken and we're all broken. We have brokenness in our lives. Yes. How does that translate? And how does that, it just seems like a very heavy burden for them. Mm. Well, you know, there are, with the Enneagram, one of my favorite things is the fact that it addresses who you are when you're healthy and who you are when you're unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So we can all be on any you know point of that spectrum on any given day. Sometimes within an hour, we can go from health to unhealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a healthy one is you know a person who again helps us distinguish what is a, a, a high standard and you know how things can be done very well and with great quality. And a healthy one can be leaning towards self-righteousness and judgmentalism and can, you know, in essence, sometimes drive themselves crazy or wear themselves out because it's (laughs) really hard for a a one to say, I'm going to do things, you know, to 80%. They want to do things to 100%. So in, for a person who is very, who's a one who's not self-aware uh, they don't have the tools to make themselves sort of say, this is good enough. You right. know, they're consistently striving. Right. Well, and it's, a, a, you know, if you think about how the gospel integrates in each one of these and how, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that it shows us of our need and our brokenness. Um, right. And then I can see how God can totally make you healthy as as a one or any of these numbers um, for realizing yeah. our need for him. Um, okay, I want to ask you about what uh, what is a blind spot that we would have in each one of these, but particularly for the ones. So a one's blind spot really is anger and resentment. Mm-hmm. Um, they tend to feel all of this internally, and because most ones will view it as not being acceptable to or not being you know, the most ideal response, they're not going to a lot of times vocalize that anger or resentment until it sort of bubbles up to a point where they can't control it. Hmm. So a lot of times ones will internalize that kind of like nines and twos, which we'll talk at a later point about. Mm -hmm. They like to kind of repress things. And so that resentment tends to turn into anger and can become kind of unhealthy if they're not aware that they're feeling it. If they can name it and they can rationalize with themselves, I'm feeling this because something externally is not perfect and I want it to be perfect, but perfection isn't always necessary. Sometimes 80% is good enough. I'm going to go with 80%. You know, if they don't have that train of thought, they can sometimes just repress and repress until it's 
um, it boils over. Okay, so a blind spot would be something that they uh, are down deep struggling with. Yes, and it's it perhaps is a defense mechanism okay. um, that they don't even realize they're using as a defense mechanism. I they see. don't, you know, a blind spot for all of us is something that we don't realize. Not everybody does this, hmm. you know. Um, are there any? Or, no, go ahead. Or um, it can also be that they feel like, gosh, I'm. I, this is just how I naturally cope, and it's so natural that I don't even realize I'm doing it. Mm. Well, and in the book, um, I've started to read the book, The Road Back to You, yes. um, by Ian Crone and Susan Stabile. And it is really, really good because each, there's a, each chapter has a chapter on each number type. Mm-hmm. And the first one that I was reading, it has um, what it's like to be a one. And then it says um, about healthy ones, average ones, unhealthy ones, like you said. And then on page, I wanted to read this. Um, on page um, 99, it has a quote by Ian Cron. It said, though very sensitive to criticism themselves, ones are shocked when you tell them you feel like they're being harshly critical of you. It says, seriously, you're only being given a thimble-sized sample of the bitter self-recrimination that they drink from every day. Oh, and yes. it's that that just I, I I dog-eared the page, and I thought, yeah, that's I, I, I can see that, and that yeah. it's you see the criticism possibly, but it's really what they're they're internally having that going through, like you said, it kind of boils over into resentment and anger um, yes. at themselves, and so yes. I thought that was really um, interesting, mm. um, and so that kind of goes with that and. And what are their core fears that they have in in their in this type? Yeah, so a one's basic fear at all times is not being good enough. Mm. Um, and the hard part about that is it's not they're not only trying to measure up to others' expectations, but these incredibly high expectations of themselves. Mm. Remember, it's the perfectionist pattern. So. Um, very much trying to appease that inner critic that mm. is basically kind of screaming in their ear at all times, mm. you know, that this has to be the most ideal situation and the most um, correct situation. Mm-hmm. And what do you think a one in this type, uh, what do you think they need from people the most? Mm. You know, that is such a great question. I think one way that you can really speak to the heart of the one is to really compliment their efforts to do things well Mm. and to call on them and say, hey, I need need this to be quality. Can you help me make this quality? Mm. Okay. Or, you know, to really say, gosh, that was so great. You know, it wasn't the most perfect thing, but we made it into something that is so beautiful, you know, and to almost give them permission yes. that it doesn't have to be perfect. I love that. Yeah. That's so good. Okay, and I right below that in their book, The Road Back to You, um, there was a subtitle that says, Ones Get the Job Done. So I kind of yeah. want to look at all the positive things about 
the, the type one because they get the job done. And those are the people, like you said, they're going to be in quality assurance and quality control. They're going to mm-hmm. be managing. They're going to mm-hmm. be doing really great things because they get the job done and they get it done correctly. Yes. Um, so what is something else that is something so positive about the ones um, in regard to really healthy ones? Yeah. I think a very healthy one identifies what is truly important about doing the job and then will work tireless, tirelessly, you know, to get there, yet knows that 85, 90% really is good enough hmm. and knows that I have limits, I have boundaries. And I am going to set the goal and I'm going to achieve it and I'm going to work hard, but I'm going to be okay if it is not perfect. Mm. And so, you know, it's sometimes very difficult to get to the place where you can say good enough. Um, The other thing that a healthy one will recognize is the anger that they feel inside when someone lets them down and doesn't, you know, reach their expectations and learns to, we call, you know, oftentimes you see the lines in the Enneagram between one type and another. Um, Those are called the stretch and release lines. And there's a couple of different um, theories about what these lines mean and how they help us grow. But a one has lines over to the seven and over to the four. So their, their stretch line, meaning that this place where they can really stretch themselves is over to the seven. And so in order to understand, you know, a lot about how those stretch and release lines work, you have to understand a little bit about the seven is the sevens are very opportunistic and they're about fun and enjoyment in life. And so a one can sort of stretch themselves Um, by understanding that it's okay to be spontaneous and not have the whole plan figured out start to finish. Um, And embracing a little bit, exploring some possibilities that maybe are different than what they idealized. Mm -hmm. So a healthy one will be able to, what's called, integrate some of these other types to help them really grow Mm -hmm. and look at, other areas or ways of um, approaching something. Well, and I love that because my husband is, my husband Jim is a type one and I have a wing of a seven. And so I see him really, he's definitely, um, he's definitely more spontaneous, sometimes even more than I am. I love Mm -hmm. the idea of it and he does too. So I think that is neat how I see some of that in him. That's neat. Yes, yes. All right, I want to ask also about wings, okay? So if there is someone that is a type Mm 1, would they have a wing in 9 and or a 2, or does it just go with the one that's right beside them and on the Enneagram? Right. Okay, so again, there's a couple of different um, theories about this because Enneagram is a very interesting tool in that because of technology in the last 30 years, we are able to gather data and analyze it and learn more about 
the Enneagram and how it was originally designed to work. It's such an old tool and we don't know who devised it that we don't comprehensively know everything that was devised originally in the way that it was supposed to be used. Mm. So we've just been sort of theorizing about that as it reemerged in the 60s. Um, Riso Hudson was one of the first companies to start building an assessment to um, assess what a person's type was. Okay. And since their original work, there are many other organizations now that, again, because of technology and the ability to kind of assess somebody and gather their data and put it in a database and then analyze it, we've learned that um, it used to be the, the thought that you had one wing that was more predominant. Okay. They're starting to understand that, no, we really do tap into both of our wings. Mm. And so the wing really was, when you think of a bird, if it just flapped with one wing, it ah, really wouldn't go anywhere. Okay. So we will see characteristics from both of our wings. Okay. So in this case, for the one, it would be the nine and the two. Okay. Um, and we'll probably those things will play out in very different ways for each of us. That is so neat. to. I'm thinking that, and I know the nine is more of the peacemaker, and then right. the two is the helper, and I can see that in my husband. I can see how he does want to help people, and he likes the peace. Yeah. I think that is so interesting. I've never heard it, you know, put like that. Yeah, it's um, been fascinating to study the uh, evolution, if you will, of this tool, and you know, just what they're learning about tapping into these various components of it to help with personal development. One of the reasons I love it so much. Mm. So, you know, a one will notice themselves. Um, again, it's sort of the reason that they oftentimes tamp down their feelings is they're taking on the characteristic of their nine, which mm. is the pacifist, mm -hmm. the peacemaker. And again, so it's, a, it's important to be aware of what the characteristics of our wing our wings are so that we can, again, have those be healthy characteristics and not just, you know, um, defense mechanisms or, okay. yeah. That's great. So, That's great. Okay. Any last thoughts about the Enneagram One? We're going to have these, um, yeah. Any last thoughts about an Enneagram One? Yeah. You know, their gift, really their giftedness, and I started to talk about this earlier, is um, great discernment, the ability to evaluate, um, knowing what is right and what is wrong and helping the rest of us stay on track with that. So mm. ones are very, very important in terms of helping us stay on the rails and yeah. keeping us moving in the right and healthy direction. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time for the Enneagram Type 2. Thank you, Ren. I mean, right? I'm so excited. So much. I took notes. <laughs> Uh, okay, so that's Enneagram One, The Perfectionist, and I learned so much, and I loved talking to Michelle. So next week, which will be June the 14th, we will come back, and we'll be a little bit more in depth with the Enneagram Two, The Helper. So I can't wait to hear about it. Remember, you can follow us on Friends of a Feather on Facebook and on Instagram and on Pinterest. I cannot wait to hear your thoughts about this episode. So be watching for a post on Instagram or DM me. I would love it. So I will see you next time. Remember, we're all friends of a feather. So let's stick together. Have a great week and I'll see you next time.